Taverncast is brought to you by Typefrag, Ventrilo Hosting, and Ventrilo Servers. Check them out at www.typefrag.com. Okay, we're recording. Yeah. Okay, here, get right in the mic. What? Do something with whatever, you know, what Christmas means. The Spirit of Christmas by Cromley? You've got to be shitting me. All right, uh, so here's The Spirit of Christmas by Cromley. Uh, let's see, I just spent the last hour and a half editing ums out of an interview, and uh, it's raining outside, and I thought I'd go get something to eat, um, so I got some Guinness, and I come back, and I'm supposed to come up with The Spirit of Christmas. Um, thankfully, I got back. I almost pulled in the wrong driveway because the neighbor's Christmas lights are kind of blinding. I, I think uh, sometimes planes try to land on our street. But, you know, they're, they're tastefully done. I mean, it's I, I really like his um, manger scene made out of two-by-fours. It's, it's classy. I like it. Hmm? Oh, uh, what I'm thankful for. Um, how about Guinness? I'm thankful for Guinness. Yep drinking my dinner right now. It's called Guinness. It's just like my view of Christmas. It's dark and kind of bitter and alcoholic. So there you go. Happy Christmas. Do you have enough now? Oh, sure, sure. I like presents. In fact, you know what I got last year for, for Christmas for my parents? A dishwasher. How's that for a present, huh? Yeah. Try not to be too jealous. So you know what? Spirit of Christmas. Tavercast is better. And a Merry Christmas to you, Mr. Scrooge. Humba! Welcome to the Thunder Brew Distillery here in Cavernous Dunmore. Dust off your favorite drinking mug, order up a pint of Rhapsody Malt, and settle in. It's time for another round of Tavern Cast with your hosts, Cromley, Eloysius, Infernal Bill, and Kern Cater. We'll bring ye tools, tips, tales, and tricks from the great world of Warcraft. Hey everyone, welcome to Taverncast number 30, the big Christmas show, or Kwanzaa show, or whatever show. Let's just call it a holiday show. This is Infernal Bill saying hi. And this is Cromley. This is Eloy. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com for our great forums and our neat store and all sorts of Warcraft goodness on our forum page, web, site. Site. Yeah, mm. taverncast.com. Taverncaststore.com is our cafe press store, which I have been updating since Eloy has not been using his graphical chops to, to get us some new t-shirts. Um, so we've got some new stuff there. And then, of course, our Skype line is 734-418-8727 or just the username Taverncast if you want to call in and leave a voicemail or, or some message to us. Is that 1-800-T-A-V-E-R-N-C-A-S-T? Sure. Yes. Okay. Try that and, exactly. and tell us what happens. <laughs> yeah. Yes? Who is this? Uh, I really <laughs> like your show. What? Who's calling? Is this Henry again, you little ragamuffin? We should just give I out um, Bill's mom's number, I think. <laughs> yeah. I already did that on Ventrilo. 
that's why I was when thinking. When you that. start screaming, yeah. your Skype like all goes wacky, and it's, it's yeah. Like that's why we were kind of like... sitting here. <laughs> it was bizarre. It, it like accelerates you forward into time and skips past things. Do you have a time machine, Bill? You can tell us. Wow, so if I wanted to actually win the lottery, I should just scree- start screaming as loudly yeah, as I possible? Yeah, I think the louder you scream, ahead, yeah. Yeah. the farther ahead in go ahead, time try you try your go. lottery yeah, numbers. Okay. Hold on, ready? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it does do it. Boy, that, that's going to sound yeah. great in the edit, too. I'm Let me tell you. you. There's some, there's some <laughs> I'm sure that like, didn't clip at all. Do you guys know we may have literally stumbled across time travel? I think we have because literally oh. when he screams, the, vo- the it's something about hey. the sonic waves of his voice in, when when it's loud causes time. Eloy to is fracture. quite the physicist. <laughs> now, Bill, when you were doing that, did you see any dinosaurs? No, I didn't. But I do know that my dog is now barking, and for some reason, my mic appears to be bleeding. I don't know if that's my a good dog's sign. barking too. <laughs> yeah, that can't be good. You've so. crossed the temporal apex, Bill. Yeah, I think I hear police sirens upstairs. The police don't ever say apex to me ever again. That's all I'm saying. I'm going to do our list of donations from a long, long time. We've been kind of forgetting to do this and or putting it off as it didn't fit with various shows or shows were too long or whatever. So this is a monster list, and thank you in advance to all of these people for helping us do the show. And uh, <laughs> sorry, Shut up, Bill. List. He's trying to read a list. <laughs> oh, sorry. This is excitement. This is pure Bill. podcasting entertainment. Woo! <laughs> um, <laughs> so thank I apologize in advance for mispronouncing probably every single one of these names. Prebs, Frank, Frank Tort, McClort, Robert Murdoch, Emo Huss, Mr. Vandemar, Patricia Wise, Zilla, Quackon, Jerry Pierce, Brian Gifford, Quagmire, Bood, Cyrenus, Yeovil, Matt Guinness, Uliskaya, Stove, Devilus, Piffle, Mac D and Sinessa, Mark Gollum, Frederick Lindmark, Callis, Jessica Gray, William Beckett, Jeffrey Bloom, Gandal, Feather, Expert Web Solutions, Michael Goldman, Extrovert, Thomas DeLon, Tusker, Cius, or Cius, James Vogel, Bergeron, Richard Evans, Demoman, Matthias, Discord, Zeref, Nichols, Sean Gill, Papa Mamba, Death Frog, D. Holderby, Renata, got Good ganked Renata. by Death Frog the other day. Really? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Is that like Peace Frog? Remember the Peace Frog stuff from like the 90s? Uh, no. No? Okay. Mike Regal, Cantor, Zalaman, Flannel, Firetooth, Nord, Makus, Ornum, Zeref, Jason Shep, Thala, Matt Barnes, Robert Fisher, Corgan, Kellanus, Monica Glaston, Michael Daniels, Buddha, Alexander <laughs> Riev. Buddha actually Buddha? donated? Buddha. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Buddha donated to our yeah. podcast? Hey. It, you know, we're, we're, we're covering all the all the religions. That's our start. Yeah, sorry for not mentioning anything for you, Buddha, at the beginning of the Tavern Cast episode. I don't know what the Buddha holidays are. I'm sure someone can tell happy us. Happy Buddha Day. Belly 
Yeah. Happy fat belly. That's a, a holiday little, I'd be all in favor of. I'm a little of. let down that Jesus did not <laughs> donate to our I'm not done with the list yet. Either. And besides, oh, okay. he could have used a... I, he might be Death Frog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I go by their tab, you know, their forum names or whatever name they tell me to use. True. Um, Lisa Arsensalt and Darksturm. I think that's everybody. Somebody who's... But somebody has to just donate by the name of Frank. So then you can go through all those different names like I gank you, Jabloni, Gandalf, <laughs> and Frank. That would be comedy. It would help us out. That was like literally a couple of minutes of podcasting gold right there. <laughs> I'm sure. Just letting you know. If there were awards for podcasting, we would win that. For my <laughs> and the award for podcasting goes to... Cromley for naming names. Taverncast. Finest two minutes of podcasting. Outstanding just, donators. Thank you to our donators. Like sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. What an eventful week for us all. And when I mean all, I mean pretty much just us. Week and or four weeks. <laughs> yeah. And so, uh, Crombley, what did you do this week? I've pretty much just been doing the, uh, well, I've been leveling up my alts and doing the, the PvP stuff, which we will talk about soon. So I've been doing a lot of PvP with my mage, and a little bit with the shaman, and a very little bit with the rogue. And I've been kind of unsure of what you know where I want to put my time in, whether it's worth putting a bunch of time in on the shaman to get some of the the good PvP gear, or if I should you know just wait since I'll be getting new stuff you know as the as I level once the expansion comes out. So I'm I'm kind of thinking I might I might do most of my PvP with the rogue, and you know use the shaman for raiding and stuff, but that's. Certainly not been decided for sure. So. Now, wait a minute. You actually have a, a main that's a rogue. I mean, went way, way, way yeah. back when. You, yeah, you my, always my, talked my, about your, you're, you're actually a rogue. The but original Cromley. An yeah. alt rogue. So you're yeah, doing I have a rogue another Cromley rogue. Spelled with two E's. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he's it, up to 46 now, I think. Do you find it boring at all? or, or I mean, what's, is it, are there different challenges leveling up a class for the second time? Well, in some ways, you know, I mean... Actually, you don't really. I don't think you really save a lot of time. I was going to say, in some ways, you you know kind of what quests and stuff to do, but that's not really class specific. I mean, you already know that some of the class specific stuff. Not that there's a whole lot out there for rogue, but like the lock picking quest is just retarded, mm-hmm. and it's retarded on horde and alliance. So, uh, Blizzard, if you're listening, <laughs> when you say retarded, do you mean you pick a lock on a box for about sixty times, and every now and then you get turned into a frog? That's, that's the quest. It. Yeah, that's that's hot. You just keep doing it until your skill gets up to a certain that point. That is an epic quest. Doesn't that make you feel like a hero? <laughs> well, you're not a hero. You're a rogue. You're the anti-hero. You should well, then get don't the anti-quest. Well, give us something other I than I think you that. get what you deserve. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Shut exactly. Pallies um, <laughs> suck. Remember that. Oh, I, I think the thing that's interesting going up a second time, though, is especially since I leveled up this. This was, I mean, the first rogue was my very first character outside of beta. And so when I leveled up a second time, I kind of already knew how I wanted to spec things, and you know I kind of knew what kind of equipment to go for, and a lot of that stuff that you did, you know that you kind of learned your first time through, I was already on top of. So, I mean that's kind of interesting. Plus, just you know, um, 
things have changed a lot since I leveled up the oh, first yeah. rogue. So yeah. there's a lot of new stuff to do, and and there's new talents and all that stuff. So wait, you actually patched the game since? Yeah, you, you got to try that. There's been some changes. Really? Yeah. You're wondering why you could never oh, seem to get into the game. I haven't patched since 1.2. Your 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 game was trying to log in and not yeah. being able to. <laughs> you know, I, I don't get it. It seems awfully boring. It works. Do we say something about a download? What's a download? <laughs> <laughs> this week on Taverncast, all new ways to try to in- make your password work. <laughs> <laughs> Have you tried dog? <laughs> <laughs> mine, mine is dog dog forty one. Oh, don't say oh, that. Damn. Oh, oh. You better oh, remember typing that. now. Eloisius <laughs> dog dog forty. Oh, sweet! I'm Let's Oasis. sell that. Please don't. Please Epic's don't sell my character. Shard, sell that warlock. Shard, please don't sell it back shard, to eBay where shard. I got it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that's true. You haven't really played the game that much, have you? No, no, I don't Only play an hour. Or hey, two. Bill, what are you doing? Well, since the new patch, I've been doing a lot of PvP, but as a destruction spec warlock. I, I was never a destruction spec warlock before. I leveled as a demonologist. I toyed around with a bunch of different specs before, but I never went with destruction because I always considered the destruction spec very PvP-oriented and not really applicable to raids because, as my guild very well knows, knows and chides me about, I get I pull way too much aggro as it is or have too much difficulty not pulling aggro. You so a warlock. With the new patch, though, and the... The new PvP system entirely. I figured I'd be doing a lot of um, PvP. I'm not. I'm not leveling my alt. I'm basically not doing any raiding or subjecting any of any of our raids with my um, over aggroing abilities with the destruction spec. And so I get to try this out, and it's very interesting. I thought I would notice a dramatic ef- effect, uh, and I did. And I'm nowhere near <laughs> the warlock I used to be. It, there's a big learning curve. Um, hmm. And, like, the first day that I spec destruction, it was... I felt very gimped, but I could see the potential in the spec. I mean, there was a lot of burst damage, uh, you know, focusing on immolate and then getting a sense of for how long really that should tick, uh, getting a benefit, uh, you know, overburden for the for the dot damage that the, that does before hitting conflagrate um, and burning it off and, and hopefully getting a crit off that. Focusing on more plus crits as opposed to plus damage. So mm-hmm. when it's all said and done, there's I've had it for about mm, a week and a half at this point, and there is a, a massive difference. I mean, I'm, I've gotten more comfortable with the spec. I've gotten a, a better idea of how generally it's supposed to work, which is very different than the other specs. And, uh, and I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying the new stuff they've done. Um, backlash. What is it? What's it? Is it called backlash? Yeah, backlash. That's Uber. Right. I mean, that one's crazy. You basically, hmm. I, I used to get attacked by hunter's pets and would be so annoyed because they would constantly interrupt my spells. Um, and hunters would give me a, a whole heck of a lot of a trouble because I didn't want to waste the time trying to fear the pet off before I actually went after the hunter. Now, I actually welcome it when uh, a hunter's pet or any other kind of pet comes to attack me that's going to do some damage because it gives an opportunity for backlash to proc because as soon as that procs, it's basically an instant shadow bolt. I instantly cast that, throw down a shadow burn and maybe, you know, a death coil if it's up and it's, you know, good night and good luck. (laughs) So that's... um. It's great. I mean, it's a, it's a lot of fun, and we had a, a great time doing Arathi Basins, and I'm, I'm really uh, really enjoying Destruction Spec. Of course, when January 17th comes around, I'm sure I'll respect again to something that's more leveling-friendly. Yeah. But uh, but so far, so good. So, Eli, what have you been doing? Did you uh, respec as well? Yeah, I did. I um, 
I decided, well, I respected into Destruction first, and I think I had pretty much the same kind of spec that you had. And I tried it for about uh, two or three hours, and <laughs> I decided that it was very similar to what I had had before for, for a long time. And I decided that I didn't like, I remembered and did not like again the uh, the mana use. I thought it was, hmm. it, it was like being a mage. I mean, I was out of mana a lot, oh, that is. and uh, I didn't like it. And so I decided I would try to go a full affliction spec for a change, all the way down to the level 70 um, skill, mm-hmm. or the level 70 talent. Well, I guess it's not a level 70 talent, but, but the, yeah, the, the end of ones. the tree. Yeah. So anyways, um, yeah, I'm I'm digging that quite a bit. I, I do fantastic amounts of damage. The downside is is that I don't have a whole lot of like instant destruction spells like like Bill does. For example, he's got yeah, instants are important. Death coil, shadow bolt, a lot of instant shadow bolts, much more so than, so than I do. Um, you know, so on and so forth. He's got the conflagrate, which is a, a pretty big one. Um, I don't have any of that. What I do have though is just these insane dots, dots that just do so Only much dots. damage. And so usually my strategy now is I just kind of hang back and tab just dot, dot tab everybody dot, up. Tab, tab dot, dot, tab dot, tab yeah. dot. Yep. And yeah, just, even with my little warlock. It's just crazy. So, yeah, that, that's that been pretty fun. Lots cool. of damage. Um, been really liking PvP. And like I think I said the last show, I really am leaning towards making the warlock pretty much always doing PvP with few exceptions. And when I finally get to the paladin, uh, the paladin doing pretty much nothing but raiding, and the two won't really see the other a whole lot. And I really am liking the Warlock in PvP. I got, uh... Sorry, I was following you up until the point where you said the Paladin pretty much doing nothing. And then that said, that, that rang true, so I stopped listening. Okay, <laughs> so... Okay. Right, you're absolutely your, right. Uh... So anyways, um... <laughs> um no, the uh, PvP stuff that Blizzard put in uh, really reinvigorated the game for me oh, again. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I think we were saying last time, and we've, we've been talking about, uh, and I think you'll hear more on the After Hours show that uh, comes out soon, that we, um... We've been bored, sort of, with... Uh, I think so many people have been bored, I think a lot actually. of people are hitting that with the with the rating. Because yeah. they don't see the point of it anymore. Well, and there really isn't any at this point. Unless it's just Unless fun. you like it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we haven't been rating a whole lot. And when the PvP stuff came back in, it was really exciting. So with the new honor grind that you can do, the first week they had, uh, they had not lowered it by the 30% they've lowered it by now. Mm-hmm. Where they, the people said they kind of nerfed the honor. But uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But... Um, out of the that first week of PvP, I was able to get uh, the High Warlord one hand, the Spellblade. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. I, for a week of PvP, I got the Spellblade, and then I That's threw the uh, plus 30 damage spell power enchant on it. I wonder how angry people are who really worked to get that before, and now everyone can get it relatively Probably easily. Probably rightfully angry, I would well, guess. Well, I mean, when, but see, you can't underemphasize, or really you can't even overemphasize, how difficult it was oh, to get yeah. that oh, piece yeah. of equipment. Insane. It, it, I mean, consi- considering the fact stupid. that not only was it a grind, but it was a grind with with returns that would mm, devalue or diminish or degrade. Well, I think it was just a broken system in the beginning. Yeah. I mean, how it was. I don't think it would. For the vast majority of players, it was po- pointless. Let's not so even be- say it was difficult, Bill. It was pretty much impossible for, it, like, I'd say 99% of the players. And from week to week, I mean, the, the servers have been up and running for about, what would you say, two years I would yeah. say so. That's probably about a hundred four. That's a hundred four weeks, okay. And you didn't have a new high warlord every single week. So mm-hmm. I would say, and you're, and you only have one per week at the most. So the high, I would say, on each server, you probably had at most fifty to sixty high, you know, high warlords, um, 
what's the alliance one? The Marshal, Grand Marshal? Grand yeah, Marshal. Grand Marshal. So you had 50 to 60 Grand Marshals and 50 to 60 High Warlords on each server. Yeah. That's it. At a cer- and what's the population of a server? 30,000 well, people or something? Well, plus also keep in mind that for the at least the first year, I don't think there was. No, the honor system came in right around the time that we started getting to 60. Mm, right. As I recall. Something like that. I don't know if they had the PvP rewards and stuff in there. At that okay, point. so even less. So even yeah, fewer. Even so let's, fewer. let's break it yeah. down. Let's say there are 30 people. So now there's, there's, a, there's a piece of equipment that is so uber that only 30 people on the entire server could have ever gotten it. Yeah, and now you can get it. You too can get it. And they for probably the price had of thirty one, people get it within the first few days. One you know? week, within yeah. one week, at a casual pace, you can get that equipment. Yeah. Hello. Before you say anything more about this, why don't we just stop this segment <laughs> and start a new segment? been talking about already because we just can't contain ourselves the biggest topic we have for the show right now is the new player versus player system in the world of warcraft and what we thought we'd do is go through and kind of we've already obviously discussed in depth two of the battlegrounds alterac valley and arathi basin in, in the previous past. shows yeah um and there's been some changes to both of those which we can probably enumerate now but we, when we've never discussed wars on gulch at all so what we're going to do is kind of just go through the three of them in just a sort of a conversational way and just bring up, you know, sort of our impressions on them, kind of get you guys through them and see what's new and give you our advice as to what we've seen in them because we've been in them a lot for a long time, all, all three of us. Probably actually. too much. You know you uh, you know you've spent too much time in Arathi Basin when uh, there's somebody using the restroom in your uh, in your house and you try to interrupt them from using that node. <laughs> <laughs> Capturing the restroom. So the new honor system, what do they do? Well, basically the way it works now is that you earn honor points from PvP and you earn tokens from the battlegrounds, depending, you know, three or one, depending on if you win or lose. And then you use those to buy the goodies. So what you're saying is the honor points are could also be called, I don't know, maybe dragon kill points. And then you would cash Ooh. those points you in cash for... those in for purples. For Elite purple epic loots, fat loots. Man, you guys are asking for trouble. Wait, yeah, what? Well, whatever. <laughs> but it's basically the same idea, though. You get you basically farm a commodity and then turn that commodity into something. Except the else. commodity is your other players. Yes, and it's Which actually makes it fun as a grind goes. I mean, granted, you are going into the same place all the time, but if you go in with a, a halfway decent attitude and you think it's kind of fun, anyways, it's a pretty positive grind. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not frustrating so. and annoying and yeah. boring. Well, there's some frustration and stuff there. But those frustrations come from, you need to, I mean, look. Our You're going to get those in MMOs anyway. Shut off Battleground chat. Oh, listen, God, yeah, yes. Listen to some of the advice we give you. Make your own strategies and run with them. And then shut off Battleground chat. Yeah, don't bother <laughs> listening to those Don't idiots. argue with them. Don't talk Unless to you them. Unless you like needling them, which is can be fun in itself. Which can be true. Actually, needling people in Battleground chat is kind of like its own mini game within the mm-hmm. PvP system. Mm-hmm. It's a good way to spend time. Yeah. And super fun. Why did you guys think that um, Blizzard did the whole honor system change? I think they basically realized, like what, what we were saying before, is that the old system was not really... They might as well not have had it in. If, if 99% of your players can't use any, any of that content, basically, or whatever you want to call it, then what's the point of even having it there? 
I mean, I, I did a fair amount of PvP, and I never got to even the rank 7 items. I made a concerted effort to get rank 10. At rank 10, you would get all six pieces of your blue PvP armor. That would give you the nice full stuff. three. Yeah, it's really good stuff. And it would give you... I think it's, it's better than the tier 0 stuff, frankly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never got it, because I got to... I probably got 75% of the way through rank 9, and at that point, I was doing about 125 to 150,000 honor per week and i was not increasing in rank and i just got burned i just got burned out well it's it, like it, a treadmill too you can't it is. you can't slip I you mean, can't, you can't take a time off. You can't do anything, or you slide it back on down the rank under the old system. Well, and you, Bill, right. you're a guy, so you you've got a job, you've got a family, you've got kids, so you were playing as mo- as as much as you could under those constraints. So, but you're, I wouldn't call you a casual player. I mean, you're on pretty much every day. So, given that, you are about as hardcore as somebody can be who still has a life outside of playing all day long, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, my, I mean, I always say that I play the game in lieu of watching television. So at that point. My normal routine would be come home, have dinner with the wife and kids, spend some time with everybody, do whatever I was going to do. And then once everything was settled, I would, instead of watching TV, I'd play the game for about two or three hours. So two or three hours. And mm-hmm. uh, like every day. Every, yeah. Looking on the boards, and anybody can do it, or anybody that did do it at the time, you could see what the top people were actually pulling in to get the rank 14. 800,000 per week. Wow, 800, insane. 800, now, that said, I'm not entirely sure the reason that Blizzard did this patch or changed the PvP system was solely based on that grind. I mean, one, I, I think it was. I mean, clearly that doesn't work, and I think everything we've been saying leads up to that, con- leads to that conclusion, that it's, it's just un, it's unreasonable, it's unobtainable, it's not... Nice. It's just not a nice grind. It's not something nice yeah. to do to people that are paying you $15 a month. That said, it's interesting that, that suddenly High Warlord gear is attainable to anybody that wants it, essentially, in a very short amount of time, right before the patch comes out. I mean, and this stuff blows away... I mean, it it's on par, I would guess, maybe Tier 2 armor. Maybe some pieces are on par with Tier 3 armor. Mm-hmm. How, how is raiding all the emphasis that has been on gear and on raiding and getting all that gear totally irrelevant at this point in life? Well, do you think that maybe because to some extent raiding was becoming irrelevant anyways with the with the expansion coming out and people knowing that they were going to be replacing items pretty quickly, the items that they had to raid so much to get? I wonder if this was Blizzard's way of kind of as a stopgap between. The, the, the expansion coming out and now where now you can you know those people can go in they can get even better gear now yeah i have to wonder the same thing because one of the questions that i had through this list that we've got going here is how is the gear going to stand up after the expansion i mean yeah. so how is my warlord spell spell blade for example is mm-hmm. that going to be peanuts by the time i get a level 65 green that's got plus could be 90 damage or yes something? in fact i actually heard somebody saying in beta that they found an item a green blade that was comparable to the High Warlord Spellblade at level green 64. So see, it doesn't surprise me. That's just so crazy. there it is. I was just going to say the funny thing is, is that you see you see people that are now dinging 60, brand new. They're in mm-hmm. greens. They head yeah. to the battlegrounds. Jump right for a in week, the ba- That's what I'm planning on doing with my rogue. And blammo, they've suddenly got tier You've two got slash tier three gear. armor. Yeah. All right now, I want to say something about this. The first week 
that they the, the, new, the patch came in for one full week they had the PV system in the way that they released the patch under I don't know what the rate of return on honor was that week but at the end of the week uh, Blizzard came out and said we think that people are accumulating it too fast at the higher end so we're going to cut the rate of return on your honor by 30% yes. what? no! Again. That's so unfair! Oh my god, that's so unfair! And that and that was Bill's impersonation of the general forum boards. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so everybody went absolutely ape. I'll bet you the three of us agree, but I don't see this anywhere near as big of a deal as it might seem. Let's look at it pragmatically here. The three of us are, are I would say, hardcore players. We are not the hardest of the hardcore in mm. time. I mean, we are not on eight hours I a day every day. I am the best player ever. I didn't say best. I didn't say best. I said hardcore. Nope. Hardcore, not best. Right. (laughs) Anyways. So. Think how you define that, yeah. If Blizzard did this to, in any way, shape, or form, to help out the casual player who has been complaining that they can, you know, they can't get into 40-man raids, they can't, they can't raid to get the good gear, right? They just gave you the ability to, within a few months, get pretty much an entire epic set along Mm -hmm. the lines of somewhere between tier 2 and tier 3, depending on the piece or the weapon. Yeah. Within three months. Mm-hmm. A lot of hardcore raiders, unless you're the, of the super, super hardcore, where you're going eight hours a night, you've got a really effective raiding guild, and, I mean, you are cleaning through and getting gear left and right. If you're yeah. like the pod people, for example, where, I mean, we raid and gear drops, but it's not dropping at the rate that, like, a, a devoted, dedicated raiding guild, something along the lines of Alachia from Wildcast would talk about, mm-hmm. her raiding guild. Or Starman. But, or Starman, yeah. But yeah. we would get uh, we, we get the gear, it's just not coming as fast. So for someone in an average rating guild or kind of a casual rating guild, I don't think you're going to get a full set of anything in three months. Especially now. It's even bigger than that. Because if, if you're a person, let's say, you, let's say you take, for instance, a raider. You, you get this gear by regular raiding. Assuming that you're not a new person to a raid group that is at a level that is far beyond where you are. So, for instance, you join a, you join a guild that's already doing Next Ramus, and you're coming from a guild that was doing Molten Core. You're going to have a, you know, they'll be seeing um, items that they would otherwise shard that they would pass to you. That's going to be a massive improvement over what you mm-hmm. currently have. The normal raider is going to be with their guild, is going to be equipped at a level at which they should be raiding at. Uh-huh. And the loot that's going to be dropped, drop is going to be better than what they have, but not as good as going from, say, for instance, a, a green level Greens item to High Warlord. To High Warlord. I mean, it's hard to say that with a straight it's a face. Different, even. different game. Go back to what we were just talking about. Before this patch, there was no way you, as a casual player, if that's what you are, could even have a chance at getting a High Warlord anything. Anything. No boots, no gloves, no pants. Nothing. You're not going to see it. It's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. Now, you could have the High Warlord shoulders probably in a week of play of PvP for two or three hours a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's not that that's bad. a big change. So let's say you can. I mean, because I've heard the complaints on the general boards that well, I can only play four four or five hours a week. Okay, so it takes you a little bit longer. It takes you a month yeah, exactly. to get one High Warlord piece. That's, that's one High Warlord impressive. piece you never would have gotten. Yep, right. Ever so, yeah. I, I, and you'd I have never, fun doing yeah. it. That's the, and that's if the other like, thing. Yeah, I mean, if, if you, you don't like PvP, PvP yeah. even people who don't like PvP tend to, once they get exposed to some of the battlegrounds with a good group or something, yeah. start to like it. So, there's a lot of good things about what they've done with the system. In fact, I think it may still be 
I hesitate to say this, but it may still be too easy to get it. But yeah. I don't want to broadcast that too loudly. Well, to me, that seems because I don't want them to nerf it back. Well, I think what they're doing is that they know that stuff is going to be getting replaced. Yep. Quickly, and so why make it really expensive if it's going to get replaced within a few levels of Burning Crusade? Yeah. Are there any what? cons with this new honor system? Anything you guys see as a drawback? I, I think it's related to what you were just talking about. The con is is that there's an ending. So no, just like a good book you never that you never want to end, mm-hmm. I mean, at some point you keep reading because you want to see how it's all going to turn out, but then once you see how it turns out, you you, you have a feeling of a bit, you know, being unsatisfied, no matter yeah, how good the ending is. To read. So no matter how good these high warlord weapons are, once you get them, that's it. Like, is, is it going to be relevant? I found myself when I was doing the, um, the rep grind in Alltrack Valley to get my, to get that book of Shadow Uberness. Uh, once I got the book, didn't go to Alltrack Valley anymore. Yeah, and same it, with the Shaman. I liked Alltrack Valley. I still like yeah. Alltrack Valley, though that's kind of a topic that's coming up as well, how they changed it and ruined it, in my opinion. But the, uh, but Alltrack Valley used to be a, a ton of fun and I really enjoyed it. And yet, I never went again once I once it was pointless for me. So I think that it, there's a concern here that, and and I did see somebody post level seventy high warlord weapons, and I'm yeah, not sure how. Too. I don't even know what that means or how that's going to work. Yeah. But you know, as of the date of this cast, I don't know how that what that means. Well, you know what's going to be interesting though is that unlike the old system, now you can continue to do all track valley and save up that honor and those tokens in the expectation that when you hit seventy. You can cash them in for that gear, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Well, I'll tell you one con that, that just came to mind when you said tokens. It's the tokens. That's a current thing that's broken yeah, people right are now. Running I think out that of they them. really need to yeah. they need to fix and they need to fix quick. Basically, here's the here's the deal. You can go in and collect honor from. Let's say you run uh, a Rathi Basin over and over and over again. You mm-hmm. collect honor, but you actually end up collecting more tokens than you collect honor. And so before you know it, they've got a cap on a stack of 100 tokens. Yeah. Before you know it, you've got 100 tokens, and the other tokens why. While they get mailed to you, you can't put them anywhere, so they just expire and they basically. Yeah, but well, I'll tell you where you can put them. Wait, what? Sure. Well, yeah, you send them to me. Just forward them to me. I'll take care of them. You can't do that, obviously. So, sold so yeah, for thirty, for, they're they're in your mailbox for thirty days and then they go away. But the bottom line is, I mean, you got to buy something. They're in is your mailbox for twenty-four hours. Oh, really? Oh, it's not the thirty days it's not 30 for any days other, other stuff. No, twenty-four hours. Oh. Well, well, see, it, then that's yeah, that's yeah. messed up because you're just going to lose them. You're going to lose them. Yeah. If you don't spend, They'll probably them. fix that. I and the think. thing is, you 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 may get in a situation where you don't have enough honor and marks to actually buy anything, so you end up losing. Well, but if you've been saving up, you're going to have at least a hundred at any one point. If that's the maximum you can have, well, before sure. You, before you, and I can't imagine that if. You can't hold more than 100 in your inventory. They're going to make something cost more than 100. No, no, that's not the point. The point is is that you're always... The rate in which you collect the marks is always going to be faster yeah. than you collect the Unless they the tweak that, too. So no. you're just losing the marks. Like, for example, if you could collect... I think they're... 200 marks, for example, right? Mm-hmm. You could take... I don't remember what the up. mounts cost, but the mounts are... 30, 30, I'm, 30. I'm, 30. Is yeah, it 30, 30, 30? 30. 30? Okay. That, I was going to say, that's the solution, is that there's some things that don't cost any honor, but yeah, only marks. Just, right, right, exactly. Yeah. Like the, the, the old rep stuff. items. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. That's That would be a really good one. The old rep... I know, definitely mounts currently work that way. Yeah. But the old rep items would... For instance, I think <laughs> it's laughable. You can get that horde battle standard. I assume it, you can also get the uh, yeah, alliance battle standard, ridiculous. which is yeah. worthless, but whatever. The... Um, I don't recommend anybody ever getting Alliance Battle Standard. Thank you. In fact, you guys should... Alliance should really fight without their armor. 
I would right. That's a good <laughs> right. recommendation. That's going to be one of our tips for the battlegrounds. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. How much honor is that? I mean, that's like fourteen thousand or twenty. 000. Oh, it's like twenty thousand or twenty-five. Yeah, I, it's insane. No, Weapon? it's not. It's not that high, but it's it's something. I thought it was. It's well, it's, nah, whatever. It's it really high. Like whatever it is, five thousand or six or something. But it was. I it's still it's ridiculous. That, it should be like a hundred or two hundred like, honor. Oh, or some oh, here it is. I got, I got twenty million, twenty million on it. That is <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. twenty million. Wow. Is, yeah, it, it's too high. I mean, basically, the battle standard for anybody who doesn't know is this: it's a trinket that you throw down this this battle standard, a big banner in the middle of the field, and it gives you more armor. Is that what it did? I thought it raised stamina. your power. Raise your stamina. Oh, okay. It Maybe increases your stamina it. by X for over a forty-five yard radius. Just makes okay. everybody harder to kill around it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So, but anyways, that thing should not be worth as much or more than a high warlord piece of gear that's just kind of insane so some of the things are just out of source they don't make much sense but i mean all told come on the spellblade cost me twenty two thousand five hundred honor yeah that's it that's not that bad well, I, I mean i i i meant to mention this in the what we did this week but i mean i obviously i respect the the shaman when the the thing came out and now i can get dual wield but I, like a fool who didn't really keep track of what was coming up, I had gotten rid of all my other one-hand weapons except for an item I got from Molten Core. And so I'm sitting there thinking, well, I want to try out the dual-wield stuff, but I don't have a secondary weapon to wield. And I'm looking at this stuff, I'm like, you know, some of the lower level, uh, like the blue weapons I can get, I can get in like, you know, a few days, if that, of, of oh, yeah. doing just a few battlegrounds. Oh, and, yeah. And they're good items, especially as an offhand, you know, it's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... So, one of the best ways, obviously, to get honor right now, although you can PvP out in the world if you're on a PvP server, or even not, uh, there are things like the Towers and mm-hmm. yeah. Eastern and Silithus. Yeah, there's some world PvP objectives currently in the game. So, there there are ways you can PvP outside of them, but for right now, the, the battlegrounds inside the game, which includes Alterac Valley, Warsong Gulch, and Arathi Basin, are the three best ways to accumulate honor. Uh, and, and tokens. That, and tokens. Which is the important thing. Which is the only yeah. way to get tokens. Anyways, yeah. yeah, and it's a lot of fun. What is Alterac Valley? Um, Alterac is... It's the largest it's of the three battlegrounds. It's, it's a big valley. You've got uh, a horde base and an alliance base on either side, and it's basically... Um, your goal within Alterac Valley, very simply, is to cap flags, cap... Basically, um, oh, really? The goal locations. is to kill the enemy general. Well, yeah. Right. You could do if you can do it without capping any flags. That'd be awesome. But you, I've seen it. You done get in less a, honor. In a video. Though. You get that's less true. honor if that's you don't true. go through the stuff. But we'll we'll talk about that. But I mean, basically, that's what it is. You're setting out to destroy the other team completely, kill mm-hmm. their general, raise destroy their cities, their, yeah. kill, kill, kill. That's the goal of Alterac Valley. It's the biggest and I think probably most epic of all the battlegrounds as far as size and scope and all the mm-hmm. neat things. It's you 40, can do in there. Forty on a side. How do you guys rate Alterac? Alterac, I think, was my favorite battleground, which has, I think, now been replaced by Arathi. But for the longest time, I just really liked the scope of it. I think, personally, I think Alterac's probably still my favorite. The only downside I've always had with Alterac is that it, it takes it can take a long time. But I think I, I just like the large numbers, you know, that yeah. are involved. So. See, the thing is, though, I mean, Alterac Valley has such tremendous potential. You've got the ability to upgrade your troops. You've got different little cap points. You've got guys that you can free that are going to run back to your base and fly in and help you. You've got um, uh, riders 
you've got you've got riders that you can summon that are going to come around and like basically an, a, a squadron of riders are going to come out and help you. You've got a, a giant monster thing that's going to come up that basically gets bigger and bigger with each kill. I mean, the thing is enormous if you've never seen it before. Five stories, probably. Yeah, I mean, awesome, awesome stuff that is just so much fun to do and see in the game and play around with. All each of, of these things are actually ways that can help your team win win mm-hmm. a hell right. of a lot easier mm-hmm. once you do them. Mm-hmm. But the problem but, is, as Bill is going to tell you, is that all of that is now gone. <laughs> I mean, it's still there, but the but. game is but the game has been so massively tweaked by Blizzard. You know, right after I got exalted in Alterac Valley and stopped going, that that it basically, in order to make these things run faster, they used to be. Marathons. I mean, yeah. I think I was in one for like 15 hours, not consecutively. Yeah. I left and came back, and it was still the same one that was yeah. going on. Yeah. Um, and this is before cross cross battlegrounds were, you know, cross server battlegrounds were enabled. So it was all an internal battle, uh, internal server battleground of people that were just rotating in and out, going at yeah. each other with this. And thing. you didn't get a lot of the benefit if you didn't happen to be there at the end. Right, because and especially the honor benefit, because yeah. there's diminishing the returns. Yeah. Right, it's like the fifth time you kill somebody, it's basically you're getting no honor. Mm-hmm. So to to avoid people just farming each other for honor, um, so Blizzard addressed that directly by reducing the number of guards that were you know on each node, making the internal objectives easier to accomplish essentially. Yeah, and by doing that, it's suddenly it's basically taken all of the fun out of it. It's really become just a race. Each side races right past each other, right up to the other side's guard, and you get these things done in about 20 minutes, which on the one hand is nice to be done in 20 20 minutes. On the other hand, all of the cool stuff, that all the stuff that was in Alterac Valley that was cool is now totally irrelevant. Well, let's let's talk about it in this way, too. One of the things on the list here is what are the best ways to get honor in each of these battlegrounds? So for Alterac Valley, literally the best way to get honor is to win, mm-hmm. achieve all the ob- objectives and win. The problem is, is that in order to win, you have to have people who are dedicated to winning and to do the things you need to do. And that requires uh, teamwork. And uh, <laughs> and you have 40 generals the... all telling everyone what to do. Right, exactly. You've got people that just will not agree what to do. They won't get along, and they what fight the... the whole way up. And so what it's turned into is you have a mindset now, from, from what I've seen anyways, of failure. They start the on game. On the Horde side, yeah. On the definitely. Horde side? Well, you know what, though? I hear the same things about the Alliance really? side. You hear the Alliance <laughs> complaining that the Horde always wins. It's the same mindset, I think, going on on both sides. They get in, you zone in, and you start the the match, and everybody's already thinking it's over. How yeah. can we get the most honor before we lose? That is exactly how it starts, Destined and so for success. no one sets out to win, and so they do the the things that get them the most honor with assuming that they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. Teamwork is the most important part of Alterac Valley. Uh, the problem is that each Alterac Valley you go into is essentially a pug. And, you know, it's, it's all, and anybody that's dealt with a pug, especially of any scale, knows it's essentially like herding cats. Um, you know, it's impossible to get every, you got people that are still sitting at the starting zone who have AFK'd out or just kind of waiting to get their token at the end. You've got some people who are out, um, fishing. You've got some people that, you know, either everybody goes on offense and nobody wants to go on defense. It, no, let's look at it realistically, though, too. I mean, when you go in, basically what you've got is you've got the, basically the first person who entered the battleground is assigned, assigned as leader in the battleground chat. And depending on the ego of that person, they're just like, I'm the leader. 
And they start typing in caps and ordering people (laughs) around, and there's a lot of swearing, and there's a lot of screw you, noob, you don't know what you're doing, and Mm. somebody will ask something legitimate, like, can we go kill Bal? Well, Bal is Belinda, and Belinda Stonehearth is an alliance um, NPC and an objective for the Horde. And by knocking out Belinda early on, you knock out the ability for the alliance to get buffs. Uh, so it's good strategically, it's mm. good to help you win, it also gives you a decent amount of bonus honor. So killing Belinda right off the bat, in it, within a strategy, no, it's a good idea too. Yeah. The problem is is that so many people don't want to do it because I don't know we, why. I'm not sure why they don't three minutes do it. doing that, we'll lose. Right, and so it's like somebody will say, can we kill Bal? And everybody's like, oh, sh- STFU, noob. Shut up, noob. You don't know what you're talking I about, I usually noob. just ask where Man Crick's so wife That's is. just me yeah. saying that to you when you say that in Battleground chat. So, yeah, so we'll, we'll go back to what we <laughs> said before. Um, Battlegrounds chat, not your friend unless something happens to make people work together, and I Sometimes just don't Sometimes it's funny, see it. I guess. So, okay, we've said a lot of things that we think are wrong with Alterac Valley now, and I think, is it fair to say that most... I, I, I don't know if Blizzard could do much to fix this they'd have to retool the instance in such a way to make to almost force you to have to pick a few of the cool options like bringing the the the, the giants out or doing the riders mm-hmm. and the different cavalry charges and things like that they almost have to force you to do it in order to win or to get a decent amount of honor yeah. for you to do it because right now you don't have or, to you or players just have to realize that maybe doing some of these things is a valid strategy but i don't know how you're going to make well, them yeah Exactly, but no one can make them do that. And I have a blizzard. People want to go to the the easiest. They want to take the easiest route to to get what they want in the shortest amount of time, and that's what's happening in all of the battlegrounds. Really, it's a statement on humanity. Human nature, unfortunately, yeah. let's talk about some of the strategies. Some of the things that first come off in my head is that first of all, you can get a group into Alterac. There's a trick to do it. I'm going to tell you what it is. Basically, let's say you've got five of your buddies and you want to get in. Right now, you can't join Alterac as a group, but what you can do is you get five of your buddies, you form a little raid group, everybody brings up the 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 queue list, the queue up thing, and gets poised to click first available. And what you do is you just do a countdown. You just do, let's say, on one, you're going to click first available. So you do three, to one, everybody clicks first available, and your chances of all getting in that battleground are pretty high if you do it all at once. So that's a trick you can do to get a a pre-made in there. And once you have a pre-made in, if you've got even a a five-man group inside Alterac Valley, you can do do tremendous amounts of damage to the other side. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've done this before where just by having a, a group that was on vent that was working well together... In Alterac Valley, even though it was the usual Alterac Valley, everybody barking orders, everybody all over the map, nobody knowing what to do, mm-hmm. we were able to disrupt the alliance enough to actually win the match. It bought them all kinds of time to do what they were doing up north because we were distracting them enough down south yeah. or whatever to, to have them, you know, be distracted. And so a, a well a well put together group can actually do a lot of neat things. Uh, summon the Ice Lord, summon the, the Alliance's big it's tree. Some of the quests that you don't the, get to do usually yeah. if you're in there for the first time. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's a good strategy. Another one that pops off the top of my head is um, for people that don't know it, that aren't familiar with Alterac, especially post-patch, um, make sure that you visit the Alterac Valley location, the actual location of the entrance. battleground, um, the entrance. Just north of Tarn Mill. Yeah, yeah. there's... there's uh, well, and for the Alliance, it's, it's up, up in the mountains, north of South Shore. Yeah. 
So in uh, both cases, there's quest givers up there. And the one specifically that I think you want to make sure that you look at is the one to do the trinket, uh, to get the Frostwolf trinket. That's a good one, yeah. Um, or the uh, Although you can do trinket. that one later after you've... I don't think you need to have that one ahead of time. No, the, the deal is is that it will give you a trinket that will summon you back to your base. Mm-hmm. And it's important because if you're across the map, you can instantly, you and a bunch of other people can basically hearth back yeah. to your base and instantly start fighting back there without having to ride all the way back. So that's... Or... Uh, or turn in all of the armor scraps that you right. looted off everybody from the front lines and upgrade your troops. That's correct. Correct. So it's good to have the trinket. And a lot of people, I think, I, I mean, I've bumped into a p- bunch of people already this weekend that don't have it because they don't know it's there. It's their first time in the battlegrounds. And since you don't, you, you get there through the battle masters now, you don't know that those quests are even available anymore. Every time I've been in an Alterag Valley where we've lost, it's essentially the horde is is all the way up into the the alliance base, and there's a bunch of alliance that are up there that are slowing us down, uh, buying time for the front line on the alliance down south, and they win because they're just way faster. So if you can mount any, if you know, if you yourself actually go be defense. Uh, you will undoubtedly get, is my opinion, more honor likely than you will being offense. Because one, you're helping your team, and two, you're going to be, you know, subject to seeing a lot more combat on the defense side than you may be seeing on the offense side. Mm-hmm. The typical way people are running Alterac now, it's sort of the same way every time you go in. Yeah. And it's not very creative. What we're saying is if you've got a couple of your buddies and went in, uh, and decided you would stay behind the lines, do a little defense, shake things up for the people you know, who were trying to come in on offense and take your base from you, do some of these armor quests and ram rider quests, uh, you know, you'd, you'd actually have a decent amount of fun and be able to contribute to a, a potential win, whereas mm-hmm. if you just go on offense and zerg up, you know, you've got 50-50 chance. The second of the three battlegrounds that are honor-worthy and token-worthy is Warsong Gulch. It's like Alterac Valley insofar as you have two sides of a map, but the map is about a tenth the size of Alterac Valley. And it's very simple. It's Capture the Flag. Anybody that's played any first-person shooter games knows how Capture the Flag works. Essentially, you run across to the other side's team, grab the flag that's deep in the heart of their base, run it all the way back to your starting point, and if your... And if, yeah, and if your flag... If the other team does not currently have in their possession your flag, you can do what's called capping the flag, and you'll get a point. And you have to get three points, and you win the match. The trick to this one is it's only ten people. There are no NPCs in Warsong Gulch. There are four buff points. In the four corners of the map, there are these little huts or or houses. They spawn at a certain rotation. Two different buffs. One is a healing buff. One is the berserker or like the orc racial blood fury buff. Uh, and those can be all very critical. And last but not least, there are essentially three points of access into each party's or each side's base. There's the ramp side, there's the graveyard side, and there's the tunnel. Um, and just by looking at them, I think you can you can pretty. They're, it's fairly self-explanatory which is which. Um, Warsong Gulch is an interesting one because these can also last forever, or they can go very quickly. There's no timer. There's no there's no limit on anything. It's just get three points, and whoever gets that wins. Um, and there are ways that that can be confounded. You can you can essentially 
hide the flag. You, you can run, you run off into, you know, the side, into a, in a, a secluded area, and um, really prolong the battle. This although is called you can turtling. Also, yeah, although way. after a while the um, of that happening, the, the enemy, or, yeah, the enemy flag carrier's location will show up on the map, on the battle that's map. New. Is, yeah. That's new. I heard yeah. about that. Yeah, I haven't seen that. It's pretty handy. Interesting. That's one of the new things since the patch, so now yeah. it's a little harder to turtle than, uh, than it used to be. Well, you can still turtle, but it's not like you have to search the entire map for the flag right. runner. Right. Right. Actual turtling is the other brutal way you can really prolong the the match is by having every single person on your team be defense. Yeah. And in defense, the the flag room in your base where the flag is is a very it's a small room. And if you have everybody packed in there, you can really mount a very effective defense. And unless the other side has complete offense, it could be very very hard to break. Yeah. And when teams do that, it's very frustrating <laughs> because it can <laughs> it can let these things go for hours. So one of the core conceits with Warsaw Gulch is that you got to get the flag from one side of the map all the way to the other side to your base, and then you know install it where your flag goes, and that gets you a point. So who do you guys think make the best flag carriers as classes? Druids, clearly druids. The usual answer is druids, and then rogues and shamans. I'd say all of which have various travel forms and speed and things like that. Mages, not so good. I know that from experience. I've seen paladins do a good job, too, with the shield and the healing thing. Yeah, that's true. The trick is you can't carry the flag when you're mounted. Yeah. So you can only carry it when you're So a druid is good because it's got a travel form. Same with the shaman. And a rogue has sprint. And the paladins are good because they're just really durable. They'll go invulnerable so they can just keep pushing forward. I tell you, that the the Warsaw Gulches that I've seen that are by far the most successful are the ones where people are actually healing each other. What a novel idea. <laughs> if you've got healing in Warsaw Gulch, eh, yeah. your chances of success have increased. And more than people. just healing the flag carrier. Heal anyone who needs it. Don't you think that's pretty much true in almost any of the battlegrounds? That healing as a rule is, is very good? I would say so. I mean, it might be slightly less efficient or less effective in Altrac just because there's so many people there that one person's healing has less of an effect. True. But in um, in the other two, I'd say, yeah. You know, and the good thing is, I think that is true as well. And the good thing is, is that Blizzard has modified the honor games to really benefit healers. If you're in the vicinity of kills and you actually heal people that are killing other people, you'll get, you'll share in, in the rep or the honor, rather, that, that they get from their ultimate kill. So it really is good a good stuff. thing. Yeah, it's good stuff to heal people in, in battlegrounds because you, you'll end up getting more honor than the damage dealers. Especially if you um, heal Infernal Bill, uh, your <laughs> rep gets increased by 10. Yeah. Or any pod person, for that matter. <laughs> I think the big the big difference in Warsong Gulch with the mood of the player base is that it seems to me like when you get in Warsong Gulch, most people want to win. That's yeah. the goal right off the bat, mm-hmm. is to win. Uh, you don't often see people that just say, oh, I just want to, we just want a turtle. Yeah. Although you do see that, because then they can farm sometimes. honor kills, but that doesn't happen as much in Warsong Gulch. Yeah, well, but there's think. the diminishing returns anyways that kind of makes that point kind of pointless yeah uh, i think also i think maybe for a lot of people the whole capture the flag like bill says such a common game and just about all kinds of shooters and all kinds of stuff that i think a lot of people kind of already know the the strategies and the you know it's kind of you know for gamers it's kind of coded in you know they already know what what they want to do and how they want to do it yeah it's not like all track which there can be a lot of debate over what to do <laughs> Final and third uh, 
battleground that's out right now is the Rathi Basin, which we've actually did a whole series of podcasts about a while ago. Basics of a Rathi Basin is it's what are there five nodes, and the point is is to capture as many of them as you can, and every node that you contain or that you capture, your team captures. Every what is it? Couple minutes or something. The um, your team gets points, and the first side to three was it three thousand points? Two thousand points gets uh, wins the game. So basically, since there's five, no team can have. Well, I guess it can be tied if one's constantly contested, but no one can really, in a long-term situation, you can't be gaining the points at the same amount of time. So I'd say that's the the, the best thing about Arathi is that it doesn't. Um, it's much less likely to just kind of tie. It doesn't run into a draw like Warsong can. No, in fact, when, you, when you're to. losing in Arathi, you lose. You fast. lose very fast, and so that makes it really nice. And that you know, even even if you're on a a, you know, you're just not having any luck with your teams. When you go into Arathi and you lose, you lose really fast, and then you're into a new one. I think the Arathi bases are the maybe the most, the shortest and most contained of all of all the battlegrounds. Like I've seen yeah, Arathi probably. basins. I don't know that I've ever seen one go beyond. 20 minutes? Yeah, I don't think it, it can. I mean, unless both sides... I guess you could be tied... It'd be interesting. I wonder what would happen if both sides took only two and then just sat there and didn't take the third one. Yeah. And, if, and so that you're getting honor at exactly the same time, what it would do if both sides hit 2,000 at the same time. I've been in a one that's gone longer for that very same reason. And it wasn't that each side had to... It was that you couldn't. No one was playing defense, oh, so, so every time somebody captured a node, around. you would go onto. Yeah, you were chasing yeah. around nodes, and you didn't hold a single node for any period of time to gather the resources. Mm-hmm. So everybody was just, you know, it was it was great fun, but no one was actually ever getting any resources. So yeah. we stopped that and just yeah. won. The other thing about Arathi Basin is that there, just like in Warsong, there's those power ups um, next to each flag location in the building that's next to each flag location. You can run over, or I guess in, on the mine it's in a wagon, but you can run over those and, and get either healing or um, the, the Berserker buff, which is pretty handy. The healing one I think is more useful. but You know, it just occurs to me too, what we were talking about with Alterac Valley where it would be nice if Blizzard could force you in some way to actually, you know, they could force teamwork out of just the, the nature of the battleground. I think in many ways Arathi sort of forces teamwork if you want to win. Yeah. Because you can't... In Arathi, because you have to capture these nodes, you have to capture well, a mine or a farm too, or a stable or you know. whatever, you need to leave people at those locations or they're going to be lost. They're yeah. going to be taken back. It's not like in some of the others where you can kind of zerg forward, hope for the best. And mm-hmm. Like in Alterac, you don't have to capture any of the graveyards or strategic no. points. Yeah. It'll give you honor, but you don't have to. No, you, if you can you, run your whole tr- you know, group right into the enemy's sure. room and kill the general, you win. But in Arathi, you have to hold them. Yeah. Therefore, people have to if you want to win play as a team much more than they would in, in any other scenario. And you see it more, too, I'd say. I mean, you see yep. actually useful battleground chat. In fact, that might be the one place to actually have your battleground chat turned on is in um, to some extent. Is in Arathi, because you will see good players, at least, will say, you know, there's five five enemy incoming to Blacksmith or whatever, which can allow you to, to basically run around and, and um, strengthen up the defenses at, at wherever is about to be attacked. Well, that's the trick of Arathi. That's exactly yeah. it. I mean, if you, if you, yeah, if you have fluid troops, um, and by fluidity, I mean essentially epic being mounts. able to shift, yeah, epic, yeah, <laughs> that's pretty key. But being able to shift around your, your troops, so even if you only have one person guarding a node because you know it's way in the back and you need, you know, a ton of people at the, at, an, at a different node to try to take it for with enough time and then shift resources back. Having Ventrilo is almost a, uh, an unfair advantage. Thank oh, you, yeah. typefrag.com. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
But I mean, seriously, if if you if you have to sit there and type out instructions and you know where people need to go or, or start having to uh, you know grief people in your own battlegrounds and battleground chat, yeah. then you know the match is pretty much going to be over at that point. I mean, the difference between going against if you're in a pug and you're going against what's called a pre-made, yeah, it's massively different. The the other thing about Arathi Basin is that the the, uh, the cross battleground patch, boy, that nothing like a timely podcast, but that essentially saved Arathi Basin because. Because before yeah, that patch, yeah, I, agree. I, I mean, I would queue up for that thing without being in a pre-made and just, you know, try to get a, a pug together. Mm-hmm. And it would commonly be 15 versus 2. Yeah. And um, I would lose those. The, so the patch really saved Arathi Basin for me. And since then, and, and the other thing that saved it for me is going in with the pre-made. Because I have not, I mean, honestly, God, I have not had as much fun in Battlegrounds ever. Than I have going in with my guild guildmates with fourteen other of my guildmates into Arathi Basin, and you know we're joking around, and at the same time we're like, okay, everybody hit mine, or you know, it's um, and then we've got music playing in the background. It's a great, great way to spend you know a couple of hours on a week a weekday or a weekend evening. Mm-hmm. Would you guys Lots agree then fun. that that's the best battleground for for a team? Then oh yeah, yeah. For me, definitely. And you can join well, as Warsong a group. Warsong isn't bad, too. too. I mean, personally, I like Warsong quite a bit, but I think Alltrack is obviously not good for a team. So The only thing <laughs> that I would say about the teams is, is that it's a little bit... Well, but this is a game issue anyways. It can be imbalanced if you've got a team. Gear will win a game. Like, if you... Oh, yeah. We've That's gone up against a couple, like... Uh, Tier Works. three equipped guilds, all tier three, all the all the time, mm-hmm. and they've just completely destroyed us. Yep. Mm-hmm. And yep. gear dependency, not skill dependency. So that that's always an yeah. issue, but yeah. not I, always. I've been playing a lot at the lower levels, and I found that gear is much less of an issue at unless you're running into some heavy duty twinks. But a lot of people don't can't afford to to twink out and all. So at like the thirty to thirty nine that I've been playing in for quite a bit with the mage you have far less of that one side effect because, you, I mean, you can't have a level 39 mage that's that much better equipped than another one uh, because there's no tier 3, there's none of that stuff. So what do you guys think is the um, best battleground to grind in to get honor the fastest? See, I would think it would be AV on a good day. Yeah, AV can really go fast because you can be hitting so many people or healing, you know, getting honor from so many different kills. But then you have diminishing returns on those kills. Yeah. yeah. You're doing all of it's... them though, right? Yeah, that's true. But then the other, but so if you are in a long AV, it ends up being bad. Well, then if you, you get have the very sh- too, right? If you have very short AVs, from what I understand, that's supposed to be the best. But how do you know? You don't. You and don't. then you don't want to AFK out to go, and then you get the fifteen minute, you know, yeah, um, bad buff. Or there's another way to get around that, which isn't you know really fair either. Well, but, and you should, um, you know, you need to you need to decide what you want to get first, and make sure you get those. Those tokens, because if you you get all the honor in the world, and then you realize, oh wait, I need twenty of the AV tokens. I don't have them. Now you're going to be grinding AV once again. Well, the bottom so, line right. is, if you're going for like a full set, you need all three. Yeah, you need everything. You need all three battleground yeah. tokens. So, right. Well, there's good stuff to be yeah. gotten from all of them. So. Yeah. I think just like any uh, anything else in this game, do what's fun. Yeah. Because there's really it's a hotly contested topic. I don't think there's an, no one really knows the answer, and because it may be a function of you know, what is the outcome? I mean, I, I'm sure I, it seems to me that there's a knowable answer mm-hmm. that nine times out of ten, you know, based on the averages of how long the, the new Alterac Valleys are and how long each one lasts, that, you know, one of these three over the long run is going to be the one that gives you the most on, honor. But I don't think anybody's compiled that kind of data. No, but I'm so going to go out on a limb and say that Warsong Gulch is definitely not the best. 
I, it can't I be. Why? Fewer players, shorter play time, more chances to less I chance. I think to actually kill players. I'm not sure, that's bonus honor. You can get like two hundred fifty no, bonus yeah. honor at the you end. Get the bonus Eat honor every... plus you fight. I mean, you 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 can't. I you mean, can as do... an AOE, or you can't get as many kills or hits as you can with AV because there's fewer targets. But still, right. you're fighting people and you're getting honor for kills. And that's a good point. And you could do worse on Gulch in about ten minutes. You could have a game. You could have a yeah. worse on Gulch game that last ten. Minutes. Of course, you could do the same thing in yeah, Rathy that... Basin or Alltrack Valley too. Yeah. But but the chances are in a Warsong Gulch team you've only got ten people that you're going against and it's a very small playing field. Mm-hmm. So hmm. I don't know. Mm. But mm. I don't know. I, I think it's dependent on too many different factors to really know. Blizzard might be able to do some kind of stats to find out, but they're not going to tell us. So. Don't grind it. That's my opinion. Yeah, I, I think that's my opinion of everything in Warcraft. Right. Yeah. Don't grind it. Just do it if it's fun. Because if it's not, then what's the point? I mean, What's the point? And, and right now is the best time we've ever seen in the game to actually go into PvP, have fun, and get, get some goodies. rewards that are make it more compelling to go back in. Yep. Definitely. Kater back with us in the studio right now, where we didn't have her earlier in the show. So if you suddenly hear her, here she is. Hi guys. <laughs> so he's a multiple award-winning composer. He's best known for his long-standing relationship with Blizzard Entertainment. He's the winner of the Game Audio Network Guild Gang Award for Best Cinematic Cutscene Audio two years in a row running. And he's the lead composer on the World of Warcraft. He's Jason Hayes, and he joins us now from California. Yay! Welcome, Jason. Hey, good to talk to you guys. Thanks so much for coming on. We are uh, we're very, very happy to be able to talk to the man who makes the music for this awesome game that we all play. And so many people just love the music for this game. They're going to be ecstatic to uh, hear your thoughts on on how it was done. So, Jason, uh, what? how did you get into music? Well, I was originally writing jingles, commercial jingles in Louisiana, where I'm from originally. These are like local you know, for like the local Cajun restaurant. I did a jingle for the Cajun Pier. A fantastic piece of work, I might add. Um, <laughs> and Acadian, a temporary, a temporary agency. And it was just, you know, whatever I could do to, uh, to try to make money with music um, at the time. After that, I got interested in the possibility of writing music for movies and or TV. And uh, I just thought, wow, this is going to be really tough. I have to move to California, and I don't know how I'm going to get involved. And, uh, and one day it just occurred to me that maybe I should look into games because I love playing adventure games and I just thought, what a cool thing to do and it might be easier than um, you know, big budget film. And so I kind of got involved at that point, sending off a couple emails and seeing if there might be interest uh, for me to get a demo listened hmm. to. Where, where did you go to school and what kind, of, you know, what kind of training did you have to get to that point? Well, originally in Louisiana I was studying piano with a fantastic teacher and I probably learned more from that than anything. Um, just learning 
classical repertoire and kind of getting familiar with the things I was playing. But um, then I went to the University of North Texas and I studied composition there uh, for a while, although I never graduated. I was involved in the undergraduate program for a while and uh, I had some private lessons with some of the faculty and it was a good school. It was a good place to learn basic theory, but for whatever reason it just seemed like I wasn't kind of growing past a certain point because the teachers there didn't seem that interested in tonal kind of commercial music. They wanted to do all this avant-garde music that to me sounded really alienating. I butted heads a few times with the, with the faculty and eventually I just said, you know what, I'm just going to try to you know, move on and, and see if I can get involved in some other things. Now you had a, uh, a band for a while and funny enough you actually toured with the, the performer Kuiper and if anyone doesn't know who Kuiper is, I mean, you've, you've got to be around in college or high school in the early 90s to know who he is but here I'll, I'll play a sample from a song oh, called no. <laughs> So uh, how did this all happen? How did you tour with Kuiper, and what was what was the deal with your band? Well, and the thing was, you know, I was touring with Kuiper, but that wasn't my song. I, I, I've got to say, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, not my music, but um, but I like it a lot, and I definitely got to know it really well for the year or so while I was touring. But um, we had a local band, and we were playing cover tunes and a couple of originals. We had a couple of original songs on the local radio station, dance music, because I love dance music, and um, at the time. Kuiper was just starting to take off. He had a regular band he was playing with, but he was going to go into this national tour. And the band that he was playing with, they were going on tour with uh, Stevie B, if you remember that. That's a blast from the past as well <laughs> in amp music genre. So that band went on tour with Stevie B, and they said, look, can you take over like now? And I said, sure. So we flew out to Florida to start with uh, Kuiper before we even knew the music. And they had us up on stage, and this is really bizarre. We didn't know this was happening, but we went to this club, and they had us shooting a video, actually. So we're up on, up on stage with no instruments plugged in. We just had to, like, you know, pantomime playing the instruments, the songs <laughs> didn't even know, and be in the video. It was really bizarre and, and a lot of fun. Wait a minute, so you're in a Kuiper video? Yes, yeah, I'm in the tic-tac-toe video. Okay, <laughs> we are going to have to Google and search YouTube now for this. <laughs> Told us a bit about how you got into the into the gaming, but how did you specifically get involved with Blizzard then after you were first getting into the gaming, I assume? I went to the Game Developers Conference actually and I had brought uh, a demo of mine on a it was a you know uh, compact disc portable compact disc player. Mm -hmm. I had gone around to pretty much everybody at the show that would listen and asked them to put the headphones on to listen to my demo. I'm just randomly shooting in the dark to find people that would be interested in hearing my stuff. I got to the Blizzard booth and I met Matt Householder, who actually is with Blizzard North, or was with Blizzard North at the time. And I had no idea, I just kind of approached him and, uh, and he said he's, you know, he was busy right then. This was the job fair. And he was busy. <laughs> come back at around 5 o'clock and when they were wrapping up and then he would be happy to take a listen to it. So I was like, okay, I'll be back. So I left for a while and made other people listen to my stuff and then came back to the booth and then... You know, sure enough, he, he was willing to put on the headphones, and he was really nice about it, and he said, hey, it's really, really nice, and, uh, you know, thanks for stopping by, and, um, and if you want to give me a resume, that'd be great. And I really don't know if that had anything to do with me getting the gig, because um, I don't know if it went anywhere, but he was really nice to just 
you know, humor me, I guess. But eventually I got in touch with Glenn Stafford, who was the audio director at the time. And uh, because I had worked for Sierra Online for a year before then, he was willing to take the call and kind of discuss it with me. And it wasn't as cold as just calling in um, off the street or cold. And uh, he was great. He told me I could totally send in a demo and he would check it out and get back to me. And, you know, sure enough, uh, after getting the demo a short while later, he, um, he called me up and asked if I'd want to come down to interview, which was just awesome because... Uh, I guess at the time I wasn't aware of what a, what a great game company Blizzard was. Although everyone that I worked with at Sierra just went nuts when they found out I was getting an interview with Blizzard. They're like, do you know who you're getting interviewed with? These guys are incredible. They made me you know, Warcraft 2. I was like, uh, wow, that sounds like a big deal. So I went down, <laughs> no, you're seriously, and I, I had no idea because I was just an adventure gamer. I didn't really know uh, Warcraft. And so I uh, interviewed with Glenn. It went great, and, uh, and I guess... After that, the rest is history. Um, I worked with you know Glenn for years and years. You know, super talented guy, and I've learned a lot from him. Okay, now this would have been then right, right around the time that they were developing what Diablo or StarCraft? StarCraft. I came in uh, basically the last nine months of StarCraft. That's when everything got really crazy, and uh, so I got to do a lot of cool stuff for the game. I got to dive right in. I think the first thing I did when I got there was uh, I worked on the Protoss Ready Room uh, music for when you're getting your mission briefing. Hmm. And uh, I just thought, this is going to be a wild ride. You know, it's just the whole office was like a, uh, a fraternity. I mean, that's all I can compare it to. I, I did the rush, uh, the rushes when I was in college for Sigma Alpha Epsilon and a couple other fraternities. It was just like that. It was a real tight-knit kind of fraternity group. And it was awesome. <laughs> So I have to ask, we have an ongoing theory here at Taverncaster, at least I do. I have all kinds of strange theories, but this is one I keep hearkening back to. <laughs> all kinds of strange yeah. theories? Do you want the list? Yeah, well, <laughs> let's not start that. So um, I think that Blizzard is purposely doing things to make links between the Warcraft universe and the StarCraft universe. I have no idea if they're really doing it or if that's something they've even thought of, but from a person who's sitting on the outside of the uh, decision-making, it sure seems like it. And the other day, for kicks, so that I could listen to the music from StarCraft, I uh, reinstalled StarCraft and went through and played a couple levels in it. And you just talked about the Protoss Ready Room. Protoss Ready Room is so similar to the theme for Elune, the, the Night Elves in uh, World of Warcraft. first thing I thought of in my crazed mind was, aha, they told Jason Hayes to make the Night Elf music like the Protoss because they're so similar as races and they're going to link them in the future. Feel free to dash my hopes now if that's what you want to do, but you can also lie to me and tell me that it's totally planned and you know it. And Feed his conspiracy <laughs> theories. <laughs> you know, it's, I think it's neat. You know, anybody that's really into music 
it's kind of planted there for a reason, although they didn't they didn't solicit my doing it, but I did it on purpose. I said, I'm going to take a couple pieces and I'm going to kind of just weave in a motif uh, or two uh, that's subtle enough that it won't be overt, but if someone's really paying attention, they'll get it. And there's totally um, a couple of those, and one of them is just what you said. Uh, there's definitely a motif that I worked in there saying, well, you know what, maybe on some level there's some cosmic relation between these uh, franchises, or maybe it's just, you know, hopefully a Blizzard signature that I can kind of weave in, but, you know, in a way that wouldn't be too over the top. So, no, there's definitely a couple like that that I, that I threw in. Well, I definitely caught it, uh, so it's good to know I'm not losing my mind, and that, that really just, that keeps allowing me to have the wool over my eyes and drinking the Kool-Aid, so I'm good with that. <laughs> I'm really tickled that you noticed, actually. I haven't had a lot of people tell me that, but I've had a couple, and I always get a kick out of it. Cool. Good. Well, actually, you know, that's a that's a really good lead-in for the next question here. I feel so elite. Yeah, it's good. Because you are elite. <laughs> put on your elite pants. Good job. <laughs> the three guys here have been gamers for most of their lives, but I've only ever played World of Warcraft. And the reason why I play the World of Warcraft is because I find it completely immersive. I enjoy the aesthetics. I enjoy the story, and I also enjoy the music. Now, I'm not as into the scores as much as Eloy is. I don't know that much about the background workings of it and you know melding themes together and stuff like that I just you know for the first six months I was playing the game I'd wake up with the Illumin theme in my head because I played a night elf character for a long long time before I you know saw the light and came over to the horde side my question <laughs> my question for you is with regard to the, the the music aspect I'm curious as to how you develop the different themes for the races and the zones and the world in general how did how did they come about what were your inspirations for each area and you don't have to go area by area but just in general what were you what was your thought process when you were developing them oh sure um, well thanks for what you said by the way it was really nice well you know with the game early on it became pretty apparent that it was going to be huge. I mean, just a massive amount of, of area to, to, to explore. So when I met with the designers early on, we thought, you know, what can we uh, hang our hat on? What things can we actually base the music on in a game like this? And one of the obvious ones was just geography and the kind of settings uh, that were in the game. We set about mapping out kind of an array of styles of, uh, of geographical area that we, can, that we can work with. So we'd have things like, you know, a classic forest area. And you know, the first one to come up is, uh, is Elwyn. And so, you know, Elwyn was kind of the initial basis of what might become a lot of classic foresty kind of sounds in the game. So I did some music uh, for, for Elwyn. And so it's not overtly tied to a race, although I guess it kind of took on a little of that significance um, because I knew who would be there and who was starting there, who'd be initially adventuring there, but it was mostly about just uh, a concept art piece that I had, which was just a beautiful shot that someone had drawn of these trees with light coming through the trees. You know, of course, in my mind, I was imagining a, a single player alone kind of standing there, you know, basking in this kind of aesthetic uh, in the morning. And of course, that's not going to work for, for all day long in all situations in a massively multiplayer world, but it seemed like a good... Um, a good aesthetic to kind of uh, latch onto uh, for that. And so there's like a classic forest, there's enchanted forest, which is very different magical. Then there's more um, kind of scary areas and just a whole, a whole array of things that uh, we thought we would, we would populate the world with um, for ambient music in the game. And the idea for that was to have things that would be uh, nondescript um, that you could afford to listen to for a long period of time without getting completely sick of it. I'd written a lot of kind of world themes before I even started some of this. And I said, well, you know, here's a, uh, here's a basic theme that I think represents, you know, honor or, or maybe the alliance in some way. 
And so I would have this theme, and I said, okay, now I'm going to do ambient music, so how can I kind of take this theme that I've written and then kind of imply its presence uh, throughout this ambient music? And so one way to do that was to take you know, short snippets or gestures of melody. So that's why a lot of the time, at least I think, in the music, there's a, a melody suggested that kind of morphs into something else and kind of goes away for a while. Um, because it's supposed to suggest, hopefully, a, a richer lore or more to be ex explored uh, without playing out this big thematic moment that might sound, hopefully, great the first time, but you just want to you know, throw your uh, computer through the window after a few hours. Um, <laughs> I'm probably really sensitive to that issue with all the ambient music, and that was, you know, that's a big, a big part of the music that kind of blankets the atmosphere of the game. What about the uh, the individual races? Each of the races seems well, at least for the capital cities. Like when you, uh, it's kind of a rotating thing there, where sometimes it's more ambient and sometimes it's like really uh, thematic. But how did you come across the uh, thematic elements for each of the, uh, at least the main capital cities, if not the races themselves? Yeah, well, the capital cities are a good example of another you know category of music where we were going to do this um, more overtly thematic moment. significant area, you would get a statement of something that could really get your attention. And the volume is literally you know, louder on, on, those, uh, on those elements when they come in. And the idea being, you know, now you can pay attention to the music in a very you know, conscious way, uh, just for a minute. And so we did that with the capital cities. Uh, there are other areas besides the cities that signify uh, places of importance. And there's a lot of music in, in certain areas that kind of that come in for a short period of time, a little bit loud, a little bit more thematic. I would say that uh, for those, I guess there was a lot of history about the Warcraft universe that you can just kind of read about it and uh, and uh, look at the art and really get a strong idea of, of what those things might feel like. I mean, certainly for the uh, certainly for Stormwind, there seemed to be a real um, a real strong feeling of what that should be like. Although that wasn't the uh, initial that wasn't the initial reaction when I first wrote the Stroman theme. Uh, some people thought, well, goodness, it's it's not as you know hard as we need to do. It's not as epic, and um, it's not as, uh, as as you know we want to be more ferocious and epic. I said, well, you know, just give it a chance. You know, I really think it should be about kind of you know honor, and it should be about uh, this really great feeling to be in this beautiful, powerful place. And it is a city, so you want to feel like you're back at home again. And then people really rallied around it. And uh, after a short period of time, people were saying, you know, this is the way it should be for sure. And we were really happy with it. And uh, I think that, you know, that could happen a lot more in this genre of game where you, you know, you're still letting people have all the control they want. They can do anything they want. It's, it's just an open-ended world. But there can be the designers having a little bit of fun, you know, taking on, on a ride a little bit more. Maybe it can happen in instances or maybe it can happen just in the way that the uh, areas are laid out. But just something to... Um, to give a little bit more of a dramatic arc that the designers have just a little bit more control of. I think it makes for a very meaningful experience when a player can, can have it. At least that's the way I feel. 
being the person who was instrumental in creating the the ambient um, atmosphere for this this environment that we're all immersed in. Then do you have a favorite or a most cherished piece of music that you were able to get into the game that you feel most picturesquely describes that the images that you're seeing? That's a really tough question. In fact, that's probably an impossible question. <laughs> Leave <laughs> well, it to me. The, the only advantage is that I've had some time to be away from it for a while because I can never tell what I may or may not like until I get away from it for a long time and hear it again. And things that I thought mm, were kind of lame, all of a sudden I'm like, you know, it kind of works, you know, or, or, or maybe it's a situation to where, um, you know, something I thought was fantastic I don't like as much later on. So it's tough, but, you know, I think... Whenever I had the opportunity to address something really specific, like Stormwind, I'm really happy with that because, um, you know, it's a very gratifying feeling to be able to help architect an experience. And, you know, some of the ambient music I was insecure about because I didn't know if it would work well with this approach of going with something that uh, that would be so atmospheric but still thematic. And, um, and I'm happy... Uh, now going back and kind of looking over people's shoulders playing the game and the response that I've gotten, it's wonderful to think that maybe it paid off, that it was a good approach. So in a general sense, I think the ambient approach to some of the areas, uh, I'm, I'm happy with the way it turned out. Because the highest you know, compliment people ever pay me is to say that they still leave the music on, which I don't take for granted at all, and I'm totally thrilled. Mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's not a, a huge ambition to have that you just don't want to be turned off, but for a game like this, it makes me extremely happy uh, when people say that. play any of the games that you've composed for or, or even just other games? I mean, is that part of like the research that you do to, to listen to, to what other games are doing for music or, or to get ideas in that way? Well, I've got a lot of friends that write music for games and I do check out their stuff because um, it's become a really wonderful community of people. I mean, I have a lot of friends that are just um, very supportive in audio, sound effects, uh, voice and music in the games. So I check out their stuff in that way. We share, we share music that way. Um, I'm not as hardcore of a gamer as all the guys that I work with. I mean, the guys and gals I work with are some of the most devoted gamers in the world. I mean, they're just so hardcore. I don't hold a candle to their level of game playing, although I, I do look over their shoulder a lot. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was, I was obviously in World of Warcraft a lot when it was being developed. All throughout Alpha, I was constantly obviously in there playing the game just to, just to work on the music and getting a lot of feedback on the forums. And uh, since then, I've never gotten involved in a really major way, except to just kind of uh, log in and um, do a few quests and show people the game. I'm still threatening to get in there, actually, and start really playing, because I would like <laughs> to. Although I, I'm afraid I'd get in incredibly addicted, because all my friends like still are to this day. Well, when you're ready, we've got a uh, good guild for you. Yeah, yeah. Just, just drop people me an email, and we'll hook you right up. <laughs> well, that'd be great. I would love to join that can, that, that can lead me through the ropes, you know, so I'm not just a newbie for too long. We're going to need a um, Pod People theme song, though, Jason, <laughs> to tender your, your uh, application. <laughs> so it, it's pretty clear to me that you used a real choir at some points in the score for World of Warcraft, especially in the cinematic. Was one used throughout in other places? Was there an actual orchestra used? Was it more electronic or more practical? 
and how did that work? Uh, most of the music is done on keyboards, although there's a few exceptions. I basically had a session um, to record music uh, live, and that was for the um, World of Warcraft opening movie. And because I had that session booked, I was able to kind of bring in a couple other elements that I could fit in in the session. But when you're doing a session like that, uh, it takes, you know, it doesn't move very fast. If you really want to kind of finesse it and get get great results, it takes a lot of time. So I wasn't able to record a lot of music with the orchestra, and we just didn't uh, allocate. I, I wasn't able to push to get the budget allocated to do a lot of live recording. Although I really, I really am a fan of that. The the choir for the World of Warcraft intro movie was the Long Beach University Chorus, and that was 80 voices, and they were just spectacular. It was a college choir, and they were so passionate about what they were singing. Um, they weren't just calling it in, as it were. They were really, really uh, into the session, and mm. results really showed that they did a great job. And then I had you know, local players in Los Angeles that came in that recorded the orchestral parts as well for that. How does scoring for games differ from film, if at all? Well, I think the closest analogy for me would be all the cinematic promotional things, which are all kind of mini, mini movies, I guess, short, uh, short films uh, compared to uh, the in-game music, especially in World of Warcraft. And the difference is is huge because uh, with a uh, with a movie, you've got a progression. You know, at this moment, the guy is thinking about his life and he's pensive and in the next moment he's going to now take action and you're a little bit nervous for him and then in the next moment um, he's really in trouble and you know you of course this is a linear progression and uh, and I love the puzzle of figuring out what are the what are the emotional beats and and all the time it's not clear you could play things three different ways you could make it sound scary or happy or um, whatever, and I, I love that puzzle of figuring out what emotional elements you want to work in, and then, of course, how to tie them together to where it sounds like one coherent uh, score. So that's kind of the the movie approach, this linear approach. And uh, when it comes to a game like WoW, at least what I tried to do was to get this uh, constant feeling. So if you're in a particular area like uh, like Elwyn, since we talked about it before you're just kind of sitting there with one feeling happening the whole time. And so you're not trying to get from point A to point B in a linear progression. You're just trying to feel the same way constantly. And um, the idea being that you could fade in the music at some random point and it would sound just as appropriate as any other point. It wouldn't sound like you're starting a piece of music. It would sound like, well, I'm just kind of like now fading into this uh, aesthetic that you're basking in. And so in that way, it was radically different. Although, you know, a lot of games call for more linear treatment of music. That was just the way that, uh, that uh, I'd approached it um, for the ambient music. But it, it couldn't have been more different. I really enjoyed the way that you did do it. There were themes in it, and the music was connected, but it was also very disparate. Like, if you would, it, it actually made it seem more like a, a realistic world. Because each zone, even though it was connected in a, in a general area, it was different enough that it seemed like, you know, it was a, a differ, different ethnic feel or a different environmental feel. And so it was cool that it actually didn't have, like, whenever you were in the Alliance areas, for example, there wasn't sort of the underlying Alliance theme there every time, you know, you'd go into an Alliance town or something. That was actually kind of nice. Oh, well, well thanks. Well, I mean, I tried a lot of different things. It really is, is kind of a, um, a whole a whole range of things that I tried, some more thematic, some less. Like for the jungle-type music, I guess you, you'll, you're hearing Stranglethorn and places like that, I was totally inspired by, uh, by the Monkey Island games and, um, and the way that, that uh, those guys had taken 
you know, you'll be sitting on the beach and you'll hear a little bit of a, uh, a steel drum kind of in the distance and you'll hear this other thing. And it wasn't really like this one piece. It was like this tapestry of sounds that felt kind of islandy. And I loved that. I thought that was so cool. And, uh, and then I got further inspired by the, uh, by the uh, ride, the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. I just thought, this is like the way ambient music should be done. You know, you're walking through the line and you hear a little bit of percussion here and you hear a little bit of a, uh, of a brief moment of a, of a hum that's kind of tonal. And it all felt like this really cool um, temple atmosphere. And so there were, there were definitely points in the game where I tried to, you know, do something like that. Um, that was probably at its most ambient. I was trying to do that. Well, and I think I think the game has a very um, like a Disney World or Disneyland feel to it, and I, I think that's for the reason that you just brought up because Disney well, the, World uses the same kind of you know environmental atmospheric music to it. And wow, it's like every single place you walk is like a uh, it's a photo opportunity, and that's what Disneyland's like too. You know, you kind of go anywhere and you look Absolutely. out, and it just looks gorgeous. I mean, the art is just uh, so fantastic, and the stylized approach um, I think is just brilliant, and uh, I really enjoyed kind of working in that atmosphere all the time. You'd mentioned that you had your inspiration for that kind of, of music that you were putting together from previous games that you'd seen. We'd already talked a little bit about your background, but who are your musical inspirations? Where do you get your your drive from to create what you create? It's kind of tough because I think a lot of guys that are involved with music feel the same way about it, where it's just kind of like we're lucky if we get an idea. At least that's the way I am. A lot of times I look at concept art and something will just spring to mind. Or it's always like, especially with the cinematics, uh, one of the most inspiring things for me has been to just sit down with the director and look at that very rough animatic storyboard where they have, you know, these still shots that kind of move a little bit. That's what George Lucas would do for his movies. Mm -hmm. That's do with theirs as well. It's a very rough cut where they try to visualize what it's going to feel like. And maybe you'll see some 3D uh, animation, but it's super primitive. It's just like block figures almost. But you'll be talking with the director and he'll explain his vision for this thing, and it's just so exciting, you know, just to kind of get a feel for the way it's going to eventually turn out. You just get this, this sense of, uh, of this really artistic piece kind of coming to fruition. And a lot of times I just kind of, you know, walk out of the room and, and, and get out my digital voice recorder and just hum some ideas uh, right then and there. And, um, and usually those are the exact ideas that make it into the thing because it's just, it's, it's just so exciting to be a part of that early process when you see it for the very first time. So what's next for uh, Jason Hayes? Can you tell us about what you're currently working on or what's in the uh, future plans? Without having to kill us afterwards? <laughs> well, uh, right now I'm, I'm working with NCSoft. I'm the audio director for a new uh, game development studio in Orange County. A group of us are working on a really cool title, but we haven't even announced the existence of our studio, much less the game itself. So um, they won't let me say anything about it. But uh, the great thing about this game is that it will be really far along because we've been in development for a while. So by the time we announce, which hopefully won't be too long, we'll really have a lot to show. And, uh, and it's an exciting title, and it's very different than anything I've worked on before, for sure. And so that's taking up a lot of my time right now. 
and it's uh, it's a fantastic gig. Excellent. Uh, you know, I, I noticed by the way too they were just playing your uh, music in the what was it called uh, play the video game concert? Is that what they're calling it? But they're doing live performances of a lot of your work from uh, Warcraft Three and World of Warcraft. Oh look, I would have never imagined something like that happening in my wildest dreams. You know, and I'm just so I'm still so amazed about the fact that that's going on. They've got the Play Video Game Symphony and uh, Video Games Live, which are both really cool. It's just incredible um, that these things are going on kind of all over the place, and I just feel lucky to kind of be along for the ride right now. Yeah, we, we feel a lot the same way with that um, William Shatner, Paris Hilton version of the Tavern Cast movie coming out, too. It's, it's a real <laughs> honor, you know? Thank you so much. Jason, thanks for talking with us here today. It's been a real pleasure. Hey, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, thanks a lot for having me on. Uh, if you guys out there are interested in learning more about Jason's work, you can visit his website at www.musicbyjason.com. He's got um, stuff up there about his bio and uh, the stuff that he's done and the stuff that he's working on, and it's altogether pretty cool. So check it out. Through the snow in a one-horse open sleigh O'er the fields we go, laughing all the way Bells on bobtail ring, making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing a sleighing song tonight Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh So wrap it up for TC30. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Merry Christmas out there for those who celebrate that holiday. Uh, you can visit us on www.taverncast.com. Give us a call on our Skype line at 734-418-8727. Or uh, use the uh, username Taverncast. Also, you can go to our website at taverncast.com to uh, donate to the show. Any donation at $15 or more gets you access to our members area. And the stuff in the subscribers area is pretty way cool, actually. There's, yeah, there's some uh, good well stuff. Well over, I think, almost eight hours of stuff in there mm-hmm. now. Maybe there's whole shows that. in there. Whole shows that weren't even yep. released. Yep. Um, all kinds of stuff that you haven't heard on the show, actually. Yeah, pretty cool. So There's some stuff that's not so flattering to me, so just skip over that stuff. No, you don't have to listen to that. It's not very <laughs> That's very hard to believe that there wouldn't be. So for anybody that's interested in joining The Pod People, go ahead and visit www.thepodpeople.net and you'll find that applications are closed. So sorry about that, but we hope to be opening it again some point in the future. So keep checking back until it says open and then apply away. And you can apply. 
So thanks for joining us for another year of TaverCast. We'll see you next year in 2007. This has been Aloysius. And this is Cromley. And this is Infernal Bill. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. TavernCast is recorded live in front of a studio audience. TavernCast does not endorse underage drinking and reminds those of you who are of age to have a stout heart and drink responsibly. TavernCast is a Snapdragon production and part of the TavernCast family of podcasts. Visit us online at www.taverncast.com. Seven twenty one twenty one spec or uh. <laughs> Bill, are you, you guys, killing children? Can your... you guys hear that in the back? <laughs> I think you need some crowd control. God, you were such a warlock. <laughs> Hold on, let me uh, let me just let me just uh, mute this. I gotta push the mute button. Okay, good. Thank God that mute button was pushed. I thought that tavern cast was unbelievably boring. Kids, kids, seriously, I am gonna come over there and wring your little neck. All right, you see that? This is <laughs> never going to make the show. Anyway, so as I was spaying, as I was spaying, yeah, really? my dog, he, that's why he was barking. Bad. So I'm sitting there trying to just be like, okay, you guys shoot your bows and <laughs> you guys go left. Go Always go left. Whatever you do, left. I agree with everything you're saying. So for anybody that's interested in joining the pod people, it is my uh, unfortunate... Uh, 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 pressure. <laughs>